I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight and joining me on the telephone is Tony Kerr. Hey. How's it going, Tony? Yeah, very good, thanks. Very good. Holding the fort down. Yeah, where are you? Uh, Usual spot, mate, usual spot. You've uh, swanned off on another well-earned break. I am quite literally on holiday again. I'm quite literally on a well-deserved holiday again. Yeah. Well, you deserve it, so, you know, lap it up, mate, lap it up. It's a bit depressing, though. Like, I'm here, I'm on a, on a family holiday in Portugal, uh, and, yeah, I'm, uh, I've, I've just come up to my room in the villa, just sort of stepped away from the swimming pool and, you know, where everyone's having fun playing ball games, and I've just come up to talk to Tony Kerr, who's stuck in, in our usual podcast studio, which is your rather depressing spare I don't think room. it's that depressing, but, yeah. <laughs> Not too depressing from where I'm sitting. I don't know. It's just like it's you know. It's just like oh, back to the misery. Well, mate, you'll behind. be back soon anyway. So uh, <laughs> yeah, just good to stay. Just good to stay acquainted with the situation. As we were setting up, we were doing this over FaceTime, and uh, yeah, you, you propped up your phone, try and prop me up somewhere so you could see me and I could see you. But you had it a bit of, put it at a bit of a weird angle at first, and I, I couldn't actually see your face. It was just a full-on view of your midriff, of your groin. You copped an eyeful. You've repositioned it and uh, on your face, which is marginally better. Which is good. So what's going on? Yeah, well, Cricket, not much, just sort of uh, d- yeah, down here in Portugal. It's very hot. <laughs> You'll be surprised to know. We were supposed to do this last night, uh, but there was a, a, a karaoke night going on. A karaoke machine came out and my family were getting involved in that. So I thought, you know, the, the background music to the pod could have been Backstreet Boys and, and that sort of stuff. So I thought, you know, possibly we ought to push it back. Yeah, you playing the role of sort of holiday rep, just <laughs> exactly. dishing out the shots, getting everyone in the mood, t- cracking a few of your well-known gags. It's a bit like Butlins over here. <laughs> Butlins with the Bayfields. Uh, but anyway, let's, uh, let's stop faffing about Tone, much as people are probably yeah. fascinated to hear more, more insights into my family holiday, more complaints from a man on holiday about how hot it is. Uh, I think we should probably press ahead with the cricket. We've got a test match to talk about. And what an extraordinary test match it was. The first test in a marquee five-match series between England and India at Edgbaston. I'm sure everybody knows what happened in this game. England batting first were well set uh, when Root and Bairstow were together. They were 216 for three. But then there was a collapse and they were bowled out for 287. Uh, India were then in big, big trouble in response at 169 for seven. But a quite astonishing hundred from Virat Kohli, he made 149. Uh, some good partnerships at the end with the lower order meant that they got up to 274, so just 13 runs behind. When England then slipped to 87 for seven, it seemed to be game over. 
But 63 from Sam Curran got them up to 180. That set India a target of 194, which was, as they say, something to bowl at. And although they still had five wickets in hand coming into the fourth day, uh, England chipped away. Ben Stokes with a great spell at the end. He took four for 40 and England managed to wrap up the win, bowling India out for 162 to win by 31 runs. So what a game, Tone. I mean, we'll get into all the, the details in a minute. And I'm, I'm, I, for one, am looking forward to hearing you explain why that Virat Kohli innings wasn't actually that good. <laughs> uh, but, but, but let's just have some initial thoughts. This was a hell of a game, wasn't it? The, be- the best test match in England since when? Well, good question. You know what my memory's like. Uh, Certainly the best one since June. Yeah, best one this summer, for sure. We'll come on to some other things about the sort of reaction and, and just the, the way it's kind of people have been talked about test cricket in the last week but in pure and simple terms just yeah an unbelievable uh unbelievable match just kind of a perfect match really had absolutely everything as you said before sort of swung back and forth so many times I mean and and full of brilliant moments standout performances on both sides uh and then you know yeah final morning that uh, could easily have gone either way so uh yeah to, to sum it up kind of the ideal test if you were to script it i think and you know no no shortage of people reminding everyone uh or sort of you know taking the opportunity to to you know brag about test cricket and it being the best format and everything which is yeah you know i don't think either of us are going to disagree with i there are some issues i have with certain aspects of the, of the way things have been painted and organized uh you know reading particularly cricket journalists uh, sort of takes on things who, who you know basically saying things like oh you know it was a match that kind of begged you not to leave and all this kinds of nonsense where you know all well and good if you're there on the kind of you know Wednesday afternoon uh, but I literally saw none of it live uh, well apart from Saturday morning uh, yeah n- none of the first three days live uh, listen to more of this test match on the radio than I can and any test match I can remember I was absolutely glued to it on the radio but yeah it, it's just it is slightly annoying that it didn't start on Thursday. The Wednesday start is a bit baffling, isn't it? It's hard to understand. I mean, I suppose the, the idea is that then days four and five, in theory, the finale will be Saturday and Sunday, but not that many tests go to day five now unless there's rain. And, it, you know, it is a bit of a shame, but it's it's something that you can't get away from with test cricket. I mean, it, nothing's changed about this, but, you know, they're, they're inevitably people are at work, aren't they, when it's on? But I agree with you. I, I saw almost none of it live. Yeah, exactly. So, that, I mean, that, that is a bit of a shame. I, I, you know, I don't really see why they can't start every test match on a Thursday. So that, that was a bit annoying, but there we go. Can't complain too much, can we? The highlights are great. As you say, people sort of falling over themselves to describe this as a great advert for test cricket. Yeah, I mean, not, not least Jonathan Agnew on TMS. You know, that's pretty much... I don't think anyone listening to TMS really needs to be reminded. They don't need an advert for Test Cricket. Yeah, I suppose you're right. It's an advert for Test Cricket, but the people who are watching that advert already like Test Cricket. Exactly. But I, I, so it is a cliche and it's a bit annoying. But on the other hand, you know, it was a great advert for Test Cricket in, you know, in the sense that it was just an unbelievably good Test match. And, they're, you know, they're really, there's nothing like it, is there? Like when it's like that, like T20, I don't want to get into another big discussion about uh, T20 and about uh, the state of test cricket, but, you know, like T20 and limited overs cricket are unbelievably exciting, but test cricket is exciting and a whole bunch of other things, isn't it? It's compelling, it's intriguing, it's interesting. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I don't need to sort of plead the case for test cricket to you or 
or most of our listeners. But I do think this test has maybe come along at quite an important time. And the fact that, yeah. that India was involved is probably good too. Yeah, well, uh, that's an interesting point. I mean, I think it'd be interesting to see what the viewing figures were like for the live coverage. Uh, you know, people have talked about, you know, the kind of whether it be on, on terrestrial TV and what, what difference that might have might have made and what impact it might make. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, that seems quite sort of old fashioned thinking to suggest that kind of terrestrial, putting a test match on terrestrial TV would would change the game, but it would certainly would have increased the exposure. The other aspect is, you know, it, th- what Test cricket needs though is more than just India. You know, it, the fact that it was, you know, we got India, the best team in the world, the biggest, probably the, the you know, the biggest in, well, definitely the biggest interest in cricket-wise. So just in terms of sort of, you know, eyes on the game. It, it, again, it's all well and good saying, well, you know, what a great advert for Test cricket. But these matches only, well, these series only come along every so often, don't they? You know, it, it's got to be decent throughout you know all the series have got to be competitive the test game needs more than just three teams to be decent yes exactly that you know a, a cracking test match between England and India doesn't necessarily say that much about the wider state yeah. of test cricket and you know Sri Lanka playing West Indies or whatever it doesn't help out much with that and the other point of course is that like as I say you've got people saying what a great advert for test cricket it is the other thing that people are saying is like almost sort of ridiculing the idea that test cricket is in crisis you know like people going oh and people say test cricket's in crisis well you know why don't they go and watch that well this is kind of the point though isn't it because one of the reasons everyone's got so excited about this game is precisely because actually we haven't seen many games like this very often i mean it was a particularly brilliant test match even within uh even you know in any context but but there actually haven't, at least for the England have been involved in, there just haven't been that many great test matches for the last few years. I actually went back through the results tone. Since the start of the series in India in 2016, England played 21 tests before this. Three of them were drawn. And in the other 18, regardless of whether England were winning or their opponents were winning, every margin of victory was an absolute hammering. So it went 246 runs, eight wickets, an innings and 36 runs, an innings and 75 runs. 211 runs, 340 runs, 239 runs, 177 runs, an innings and 209 runs, five wickets, nine wickets, 10 wickets, 120 runs, an innings and 41 runs, an innings and 123 runs, an innings and 49 runs, nine wickets, and an innings and 55 runs. Those are the margins of victory. Yeah. So there's nothing even resembling a close game in that. And so, and this is the point. Obviously, yeah, as I say, it's not all about England, but I think that has been a wider pattern in Test cricket as well that exciting finishes, close games, have become much more rare. So what, you know, hopefully what they'll do is look at this game and think, well, why was this such a great game? Obviously, just because you know, of the way it happened to develop and you can't sort of bottle that. But I think there are aspects of it that you can look at and try and set as a blueprint for Test cricket going forward. You know, as I say, it's not going to be this exciting every time, but if, if you can firstly and crucially play on pitches like this all the time, where there's something in it, for the batsmen and the bowlers and find a way to, you know, try and find a way to get this level of contest between the two teams. You know, these seem to be fairly evenly matched teams and also this level of contest between bat and ball. That's got to go a long way towards assuring the future because what we've seen far too much of is just flat pitches with uh, teams racking up big scores or pitches that are weighted so heavily in favour of the home team that the away team just gets skittled out. I mean, it... 
for me, you can talk about things like day-night tests and, and you know, various other ways to try and bring people into test cricket. But the, 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 key, like the first thing you've got to do is make sure that the, the product is good enough, that the, the, the test cricket is of a high quality and a high level of competitiveness because it's such a great game, isn't it? <laughs> we do, you know, we, as you say, people don't need convincing of this, but when you see a test like that, it is a reminder that it is the best game in the world but it just it needs certain things to be in place to to allow all that to to come through. Yeah, I mean there's what well, there's multiple ways to look at things, aren't there? You know, there's a fair amount made ahead of the series about the ticket sales that there were going to be, you know, potentially sort of 10, 15,000 empty seats at Edgebaston on the first couple of days. And certainly the ticket sales were slow. I think they they did pick up sort of late on uh, but then you know I've seen people comparing the crowds that, that came to this test match to, to heading the 81 both and dashes and actually more people watch this test match in the ground than, than that one and that you know that's kind of one of the great all-time test matches uh, in obviously a very different era so in the end there wasn't really a shortage of people uh, you know in the house for it uh, but yeah I mean the, the, the fact that the two teams actually have, have sort of dovetailed quite nicely haven't they you would hope now for the rest of the series, but you know you've got an England team that you know have been underperforming compared with recent years, uh, who've really got something to prove. You've got an India team who are clearly very, very good, you know, exceptional in their own backyard, but perhaps you know being tested more than they would or have been over the last couple of years. So, yeah, it, it's kind of it is set up pretty nicely. Definitely, and, and yeah, you well certainly we, we hope that the rest of this series pans out at least sort of vaguely along the lines of the first test because if so it'd be incredibly exciting but yeah you just hope that you know that the people uh, who make the decisions about these things kind of look at it and think well why was that test so good what can we take away from it to try and make things like that as much as possible and it you know it's all it's, it's easier said than done isn't it it's it's hard to produce a pitch like that in other parts of the world other parts of the world they use the kookaburra ball and uh, as we know the duke's ball is much uh, more bowler friendly so it is difficult but then what is the point of the ICC if it's not to at least attempt to do that so you know I, I you know you you would hope that they are yeah looking at it I know you know and we, you can't get away from the fact that the one of the reasons why a match like this is so special is that it's it's rare and it should be maybe it shouldn't be as rare as it is but it should still be uh it, it is still special or should still be special and uh yeah there were passages of that that test match which were just unbelievably gripping if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In terms of the, the actual performances by the teams, I mean, England in the end prevailed. How did you assess their performance? How, how good a performance do you think this was by England? Did they get away with it? Or was it actually, you know, a well-deserved win for you? Uh, no, I think they were deserved winners. I mean, you know, obviously it could have gone either way at the end, and there were there were it, you know, India could have, without that uh, Sam Curran fight back, uh, you know, could have actually ended up being comfortable winners themselves. Uh, you know, I think going back to that the first innings. I mean, well, the, the thing is, the match just, you know, went back and forth so many times, didn't it? You know, when Root and Bairstow were in in that first innings, it looked like England might be on course for a decent total. Obviously, they collapsed. If they get Coley, if, yeah, if Milan gets Coley when he was on 21, then it's clearly, a, you know, a very different game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's probably tricky to read too, too much into it. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think England, England were in the box seat more often and perhaps, you know, on another day... Coley wouldn't have resisted, uh, you know, wouldn't have been able to hold out through that spell. You know, Milan, it was a fairly simple catch. Uh, so, you know, should have been taken and, and perhaps, yeah, England would have had a, a much, much healthier uh, lead. I think you've got to say that they did deserve the win, partly because India didn't play that well either, but um, but also because the England bowlers performed really well and, and I think they deserved to be on the winning team. I <laughs> I don't know how much it changes things, though, in terms of like, so like a lot of the same questions remain, don't they? And it, it, it I don't know about you, but it, it rankled a bit for me. I don't know if you saw uh, Stokes's interview immediately after he walked off, you know, when, when they'd won the game. And he said, he, you know, he was a bit lost for words in the interview. But one thing he did say was something along the lines of, you know, oh, this team's taken a lot of stick. Well, hopefully that performance will close a few mouths. I don't know if he was specifically referring to me. <laughs> Uh, but, but it felt like it. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't know how much we've actually learned. Like, before the game, if you asked me to describe this England team, like, I could possibly have boiled it down to something like, you know, well, the bowlers are good at home, but they struggle away from home, and the batting is hopeless everywhere. And in that sense, this performance changes nothing, does it? No. And again, yeah, I guess the, the questions... These are questions that we've been asking, or you know, that, that England haven't answered for I don't know how long now, like a couple of years, three years, maybe. Certainly, since the start of the 2015 Ashes, we've been saying stuff like this about the batting. Yeah, the batting has been yeah collapsing still, again, no again. one is is yeah, yeah, still none of the batsmen are, are pinning down a position. I mean, it's tough to be, yeah, it's tough to be critical after a win, and particularly such a brilliant win. You know, it will be interesting to see how they go, and obviously, changes have been have been made. Uh, there were slightly frustrating things, you know, Root getting out, run out, you know, it was a, a good piece of work from Coley, but, you know, a bit of a gift, you know, in a way, it, you know, it didn't sort of need to need to happen. Uh, so it's a, it's a real shame that Root didn't go on to make 100. But yeah, the, the questions still remain, you know, Milan has obviously been dropped now. Uh, it, it was nice that he, he held on to that catch, quite well, very crucial catch, obviously, uh, in the second innings, but he did have a bit of a mare. 
yeah, I mean, as you say, questions haven't really been answered, and that, that that's quite exciting in in a, in a way. After a game like that, you know, going into the second test at Lords, uh, you know, all eyes will be on. No, absolutely. It does mean that the series is wide open. But I just found it a bit frustrating because, you know, those mouths that Stokes is, is referring to, I, I, just, I, I feel like they, you know, they weren't actually saying anything incorrect about the team. Yeah, the England team was taking a lot of stick and justifiably. Like it, we talked about this uh, towards the end of the Ashes series and during the New Zealand series when England were absolutely demolished in that first test. You know, there's just a, for me, it really feels like there's a lot of delusion in the England camp that they think they're a much better team than they are and they don't really understand why they get so much stick. And it's, although they're talking about the media, the you know, mouths in the media there, I think also to some extent the media buys into it as well and thinks and, and talks about some of these players in very gushing terms to the extent that you would think that they're all sort of world-class players. You know, people like Bairstow uh, and Stokes, who obviously are on the face of it, and I think actually literally just, I think I literally described them as world-class on last week's show. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you would think that someone like Johnny Besto or Ben Stokes would have much better test records than they do if you just read about them and listened to what people in the media say. And even like Phil Tufnell on, on commentary on TMS, at one point I was listening and, you know, towards the beginning of the match and he was saying, oh, I think this is going to be a really cracking series. It's, you know, number one in the world versus, what are we, number two? And then he had to be corrected was you know, the, his co-commentator was like, oh no, England are actually number five. And he's like, number five, really? It's like, tough as what planet have you been living on? <laughs> England have been a really average test team for quite a long time. And I feel like parts of the media have maybe not quite cottoned on to that for some reason. So, uh, you know, and as I say, this, the, the batting has been really poor for ages. And, and in this game, again, it, it, you know, twice... They collapsed from a good position in the first innings. There was a collapse of 71 for seven. And then they were 87 for seven in the second innings. And, you know, you've got to work really hard to win games of cricket if you do that once, let alone twice. So to some extent, I think they got away with it a bit in this game. But, you know, crucially, they did find a way to win. And that's not something that they've been doing much of lately. So I do think, having said all that I just said, I do think they deserve all the credit that they're getting for the resilience they showed for the sort of mental fortitude that they showed because they haven't won a lot of test matches recently so it would have been easy for you know for heads to drop at quite a few points there and the bowlers deserve a lot of credit as well because as I said I think they were brilliant they struggled in Australia when the ball didn't move off the straight but in England when it swings with the Duke ball you know they're always going to cause problems and they really did brilliant spell from Stokes Anderson was fantastic throughout probably should have taken more wickets and also Joe Root, I think, as captain, deserves credit. I've, I have been critical of his captaincy in the past, but I thought he had a really good game here. Good bowling changes, all the way down to you know bringing Rashid on against the tailenders at, at, at the end of the game. And you know, and I think he deserves credit as well for not allowing those heads to drop. So he had a really good game. So yeah, Eng- England do deserve a lot of credit here as well. Yeah, I mean England. Yeah, as you say you know, the batting will be a concern. You know, I mean, I think when you look at the India lineup, there's a lot of work to do there for their, for their batsmen. Uh, that, that I guess the only thing, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Curly, I suppose, in a moment we could talk about now. But uh, yeah, the thing that England are lacking at the moment is someone to sort of, you know, to build those innings around who's going to, he's making big scores because it's just, it is just isn't really happening, is it? Uh, well, yeah, Jay Root, 50 again, but no 100. Yeah, I, I, there were, uh, Jonathan Lee posted a good stat did you see that about 
routes can yeah so obviously routes conversion from you know 50 to 100 is is you know a lot much talked about and and relatively poor uh but it's actually in terms of getting to 50 uh yeah he's got a pretty phenomenal record and was it second only to bradman it will be immensely frustrating for for root that he's not making hundreds but he is at least contributing decent runs this is sort of what i'm talking about though in in the sense that like you know in saying that the, the media i think uh, inflate the reputations of these players to some extent because obviously root is an unbelievably good player and one of the best batsmen in the world but you know the fact that he keeps getting to 50 and not getting to 100 that must be something to do with concentration i know he was run out in this game which is a, a weird dismissal but it must be that he loses concentration and that is not something that a great player does necessarily and like the fact that he you know was voted into England's all-time test 11 which is a bit of a nonsense in various ways but you know I think I just feel like people maybe have a perception of him that isn't quite borne out by the reality you know he's just not in the same league as as you know your Smiths and your Coley's and your Williamson's and as you say that's kind of what England are lacking at the moment it's just some talismanic figure like Coley to kind of drag them to the big scores that they're not posting yeah I mean Root is obviously though an exceptionally good player and has the potential to be the best in the world I think you know and, uh, yeah and at, at stages in his career but you're, you're probably going back now three or four years when he looked the player perhaps he could and should be yeah it, it's it's tough to pin down why in the last couple that things have really dropped off in terms of yeah, posting those big scores and those match-winning scores, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you just got to hope he he finds turns a corner at some point. It also like it it feels sort of harsh to that root be the one that you criticise because <laughs> he's obviously like being much more prolific than anyone else in that batting order. So you know, there's a lot of people that you can point fingers at before root, but it's just slightly frustrating that he's talked about as one of England's greatest batsmen of all time because it's not necessarily happening for him at the moment i mean one thing that does i think get slightly overlooked at times in sport just is the role of 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 luck uh purely in terms of this match you know root getting run out it was it was a poor kind of perhaps a lapse of judgment uh and then in the second innings you know he's just sort of getting set in and then is caught to a brilliant slip catch you know the coley in the first innings goes on and makes one uh, 149, but is dropped as we said on 21 in slip catching terms to a to a fair dolly. So it's kind of it's you know and and you know exceptional credit to Coley for getting through that spell because uh, as a period of cricket and it's got to be one of the best in in recent memory. Uh, the other batsmen just couldn't seem to to find any sort of foothold in the game. That said, you know Coley edged it. Well, played fine. You know played finely with soft hands and uh, and perhaps a couple of a couple of balls that might have been chances he turned into just kind of kind of well played kind of comfortable uh shots but then he did give two or three chances including the dolly to milan so to get through that he did require a degree of fortune so yeah it's got it is these sort of small margins or just bits of luck that that go one way or the other you're right the role of luck in sport and particularly in cricket and particularly in batting in cricket because it is you know one mistake or one good ball or one bit of bad luck and it's all over as a batsman, isn't it? So, you know, it is. these are the margins. As I mentioned, the England bowlers were brilliant. Anderson bowled really well. Stokes bowled really well. How impressed were you with Sam Curran? He, he was actually man of the match. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the, the, the innings he played was, was pretty extraordinary for, 
for the match situation. Would he take five wickets in the match and, and yeah, a sort of counter-attacking 63 or 65 balls in the second innings as well? Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, that's pretty rare, isn't it, in recent times for England to have someone doing that and the tail not just folding. Uh, in terms of his bowling, yeah, he bowled, he bowled excellently, didn't he? And he, he really put India's batsman under a lot of pressure. He's got that sort of fantastic, such a compact action. It just kind of, uh, it sort of trundles in all like sort of bound up like a like a coil and then the ball just kind of emerges out of him it doesn't it's, <laughs> it's so compact uh it's almost like a bowling machine like a, a mobile bowling machine but yeah yeah chuff him and and yeah an exciting prospect i think once said you sent me a message where you were just about to write him off i think <laughs> well no i only took a wicket I, yeah uh after you know about 10 minutes into the game <laughs> i think england were even still batting and I made a note on my phone for the next pod, Sam Curran, not good enough. Uh, so <laughs> there was something like, no way is Sam Curran one of the best three seamers in England. I mean, at this point, you'd have to say he's one of the best three seamers in the world. <laughs> I mean, no- nothing, exposes the, nothing exposes the kind of short-termism, the kind of instant reaction of the, the sort of modern world than a test match like this, where things swung back and forth so many times. People were you know, praising, writing off left, right and centre only to be kind of shown up as a, as a fool quite rapidly. Not saying that you're, you're shown up as a fool, but yeah. <laughs> well, no, that is what you're saying. <laughs> and, and it's fair. I mean, it, it was pretty foolish. But, uh, but having said that, it's still, it, yeah, what is that Buddhist, you know, that Zen master thing where, you, you know, after everything that happens, you just say, we'll see. Uh, because, you know... I thought you said that, thing, that you know, Buddhist Zen master thing, just like, wait till both sides have battered. <laughs> exactly. But actually, you've got to wait for the end of the series, you know, before you can make too many judgments, because even now people are saying about Coley, like, oh, well, he's clearly mastered English conditions, which it does seem that he has. But there's still four tests to go, and if he doesn't make another run in the series, we'll be talking about him very differently. And like, say, with Sam Curran, he had a brilliant game here, but let's not get too carried away after one game either like I obviously over you know, got carried away and wrote him off before he'd even bowled a ball uh, but let's not get carried away with a good performance here because he does still have a hell of a lot of hard work in front of him to establish himself at this level this was literally his second test match and he bowled brilliantly but he bowled brilliantly by swinging the ball because it was swinging and it's not always going to do that and the question is is he quick enough is he skillful enough to make an impact when the ball doesn't swing in the kind of conditions that England struggled in so badly in Australia over the winter. This winter, it's going to be Sri Lanka, West Indies, going to be flat pitches, dry pitches. You know, if he, you know, we'll get a much clearer picture, I think, of where he's at if he plays in those games. But so, you know, there's just a long way to go and we shouldn't be rushing to judgment in either direction. But he is only 20. So he's got all the time in the world to, you know, develop those skills and build up that pace a bit. So in that sense, you know, he's a very exciting prospect and it's really exciting to see the way he played in this game and really exciting as well that he's a left armour. Just, I mean, simply that fact is quite exciting, isn't it? Because we've talked about how England's attack is so samey. Um, so just even having that bit of variety is, uh, is a really useful addition. Yeah, and you know, you talk about judging after the series. I mean, obviously going into the second test, uh, no Stokes for this one and, you know, we, we won't talk about the, the trial. Uh, but he was... You know, back to his talismanic best, wasn't he? For for want of a better cliche, uh, in this match, just the stuff he was doing with the ball, the the just the rhythm he was finding 
was extraordinary. There were just there was just some some brilliant moments. I think uh, in the second innings, you know, the ball to get rid of Coley, uh, and what was there's only about fifty to win at that point, uh, and then following it up, a couple of balls that you know he, he chucked a couple down at Shami, which he would have got most people out, and then the third one, Nick, yeah, it was just it was just that sort of momentum. It's when you find those kind of rhythmic moments and that bit of momentum where the match is just kind of racing, just kind of suddenly races away. Uh, yeah, that's just as exciting as it gets, I think. So, yeah, it, it was. It was tremendous stuff. It was, you know, England bowled really, really well throughout the game and they did enough with the bat in the end, didn't they? It's just, as I say, I'm only being slightly negative in the sense that for Stokes to come out and say, like everyone needs to shut up about this team. Well, actually, they got bowled out for two eight seven and one eighty. So, as the Zen master would say, Tone, we'll see. Um, turning to India, you know, they must be feeling pretty dejected. You would think because with five wickets in hand on the final morning, Virat Kohli at the crease, only eighty odd to win. You know, they they really would have backed themselves to get there touched on this already but as with England it's it's the batting where the problems are really isn't it or at, least, or at least it was in this game the bowlers performed pretty well I thought especially Ishant he obviously took a uh, five wicket haul in England's second innings and he, he's got a bit of a habit of doing well in England hasn't he not necessarily a habit of doing well elsewhere but definitely in England uh, Shami I thought bowled really well without too much success and and then obviously Ravi Ashwin as well who uh, who's, you'd imagine will be sort of uh, haunting the dreams of, of quite a few of those England left-handers this week uh, but yeah the batting on the other hand was was pretty abject really I mean aside from Kohli the next highest score by an Indian player in the match was 31 by Hardik Pandya bizarre really to consider that the last time India played England they racked up 700 um, I mean what do you think did you think this was just a bad game or is it you know was it the conditions I mean how you know would you be worried as an Indian fan about the batting and would you make any changes Tony Tony, can you hear me? Hi there, listeners. Adam Bayford here from the World Cricket Show. Unfortunately, we've run into a few technical problems and I seem to have lost Tony. Uh, But that was my last question for him. So I think we're going to bring it to an end there. Uh, I have messaged Tony and his answer to that question is no, he wouldn't make any changes to the Indian batting. I think I think we both feel uh, that it's easy to get carried away with the lack of success of the Indian players in that game um, and, and start writing them off. You know, actually, KL Rahul's a very good player. Vijay's a very good player. You know, I think they, at this point, we have to say it's more likely just one bad game than that they're bad players. But we'll see. We'll see what happens at Lords, which starts very, very soon on Thursday. So it's all very exciting. How good is a five-test series? Uh, We'll be back after the second test. Sorry, this has been a bit of a weird episode uh, with me being on holiday, but we'll be back to normal next time. Hopefully, we'll have lots of exciting cricket to talk about. In the meantime, as you know, we're on social media, uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show, on Twitter at cricket show, on Instagram at world cricket show. That's all the important stuff you need to know, really. I'm off to uh, lounge around by the swimming pool and, and belt out a few more karaoke numbers. So we'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.